It's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henry. Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Leicester opened the weekend with a victory over Tottenham. Harry Kane was able to find to grab a first half goal before Pereira equalized and James Madison won it for the Foxes who find themselves in third place six games into this Premier League season. Manchester City lambasted Watford 8-0. Bernardo Silva gets a hat trick. The champions racked up 28 shots against the last place Hornets. That takes us to Super Sunday where Mosterdamas struck again as West Ham won 2-0 over Manchester United at the London Stadium. Yarmolenko and Aaron Cresswell were able to score as Manchester United's offense continues to disappoint. Arsenal hosted Aston Villa later in the day on Sunday in a game to be less disastrous than it could have been. John McGinn scoring the opener in the 20th before Ainsley Maitland-Niles was sent off. In the second half, Nicolas Pepe finally gets his first Arsenal goal, albeit from the penalty spot, before Villa took the lead again with a goal from Wesley a minute later. However, Callum Chambers and Aubameyang were able to get two goals in three minutes late in the game as the 10-men Gunners got all three points. Arsenal find themselves in fourth place for now. And in the big match of the weekend, Super Frank's Young Blues hosted league leaders Liverpool, who got off to a, to a hot start with two goals from free kicks as Trent Alexander-Arnold and Firmino both found the back of the net. In the second half, it was much more of Chelsea's game as Conte was able to pull one back, but Liverpool were able to hold on. Welcome to episode 200 we did it, of the y'all. Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro. We got Alex Moss and Javier Revelo along for the ride. Fellas. Finally a good weekend. Finally. Footy's back. I'm happy again. Everything's all right. You know, we're back uh, above United and uh, we're 200 and, uh, episodes Chelsea, where we belong. We're 200 episodes, yeah. Javier. I think you missed the point. No, no, no. no, no, no. What's important boys. is that Arsenal's safe. My psyche's okay. We're good. Everyone's everyone's good to go. I got a break. It lives know? to die another day. <laughs> right. But yeah, 200. Right. That's that's a lot. That's I mean, I've been part of probably I don't I don't probably, probably 100. Is it half at this I would point say I would say I would half because we doubled up yeah. starting and, last cuz I was cuz I did some guest appearances in there so it was like, you know what I mean? I think I don't know if it was like I don't remember doing the 100th episode, maybe I did. Do you, do but... you know what probably bumps you up to 100 is the the fact that you did all of the 8 World Cup group by group previews. Right. True. Those, yeah, it definitely helped. Those were a highlight for definitely sure. Helps. Those were fun. Yes. Yes. We're also, because it's episode 200, we're going to mix in some other fun stuff for you today. We'll talk about some of our favorite players, favorite jerseys, favorite moments, worst moments, big and worst wins, or big best wins, worst losses, a favorite quote from a coach or player, player leaving that hurts you the most, and a biggest bust slash a biggest surprise players. And we'll mix those in throughout the podcast. But as you know, you're listening to Andrew Passaro, Alex Moss, and Javier Revelo. Follow us on Twitter at Ghost Goal Pod, at Andrew Passaro, at ASMoss92, and at Javier Rev9. Uh, we'll start with the 7 a.m. game from Saturday, which was Leicester City getting a 2-1 victory over Tottenham. This was something that Alex and I both tinkered with. We both teased that this exact thing could happen on Saturday morning, and it did. And 
Leicester, look, this is a huge win for Leicester, but a continual disastrous start of the season for Tottenham, who lost in the Champions League, or drew in the Champions League in the middle of the week. Felt like a loss. Now, Yeah, it felt like a loss. But I saw a stat earlier from Joel Rabinowitz that I'll pull up, but Alex and Javier, what, what did you what did you think of this huge win for the Foxes and huge loss for Spurs? Once I heard that Tottenham got in from their uh, Champions League game, on uh, Thursday morning, they got in at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I was just like, oh, I'm feeling good about this prediction. <laughs> Uh, there was like the added thing that I think Hugo Lloris had to miss the game because his wife was giving birth. So they did have Gazaniga in, uh, in goal. And, uh, and then the main thing that everyone came away, uh, at least in England, everyone came away talking about was the VAR decision that chalked yeah, off that was, Tottenham's that second was goal. Crazy. So it was like, a, it's like three or four different factors that just went horribly against Tottenham that kind of. You know, it, it was kind of an obvious, like, layup pick for us, Andrew. I'm not trying to, like, downplay what we predicted too much, but you could see the signs pointing to Leicester having, like, a well, first There's, there's VAR evening out for them because they've had a couple, they've had a couple, like, calls that have gone their way, you know, because of VAR that were kind of bullshit. And I think this is some of that luck now evening up because that goal probably shouldn't have been called offside. I mean, I mean, it was, it was, like, the, as marginal of an offside on human so yeah and as it in the rules of the be. game like you're supposed to give those as like you were supp- like the way that we played soccer growing up it was always you know you give the benefit to the attacker and still at like youth level or any level that doesn't have VAR that would have been a goal right like it's impossible absolutely impossible and I don't know if at that point it's like is that worth it? Like I know that it's like it's it's playing the game to like the letter of the law, but the spirit of the game that it's always been played has been that you know giving the benefit to the attacker when it's like that that close. So I don't know. It's uh it's definitely an interesting debate. The the pundits were definitely talking about it a lot. Um, and yeah, but I think Leicester overall deserved to win the game. I thought that they were the better team. I thought Tottenham looked tired, and it was kind of. Bizarre that uh, Lamella started over Erickson because every time that Tottenham have looked good this year, it's been when like Erickson's been pulling the strings. He and, played in midweek. Yeah, there's got to be something going start. on there, either fitness or maybe Pochettino. You know, he's still. He all, it seems like he's lost trust in him after like Erickson hasn't resigned a new contract and been no. like, all right, yeah, like you no, know, he I'm definitely hasn't. He just started or, him or at Olympiacos. He's definitely trusting him. I think th- it's a team as a whole thing. It, it hasn't helped that Ndombele has been not great since coming back from injury. Uh, yeah, there's just it's 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 just one of those ruts at Tottenham that I, I think you're seeing something similar happen at Watford. Who we'll get to in a second, I guess. Uh, but you know, when your season ends so disappointingly, sometimes it can be hard to turn around and just get right back on it and, and start all over again. And what feels like nothing Tottenham of a, of a, of a not won the Premier league since January. You've been away, uh, away in the Premier yeah, league, away, away in the Premier league since January, which is, that is yeah, an here's abysmal that run. Here's that stat. Spurs currently on a run of 22 points from their last 19 Premier league fixtures, just over one point per game, six months, or so of near relegation form now knocked out of the of the league cup by league two Colchester United oh my gosh. two wins from eight games that so far this season Spurs lost to Colchester United on penalties yeah. today in the league cup you hate to see that you really no honestly I mean that's probably that's that. probably for the best they probably don't need another 
deep run in that because I think they've gone to like the semifinals like each of the last two or three seasons. So I mean, and honestly, it's kind of, it can be kind of a waste if you're trying to keep up your league forms. But I mean, it's never good to lose to a league or to a fourth division side. I guess. Um, no. Speaking of that lads, quote, that quote is of, back. Uh, Tierney's back. Holdings back. It, everyone's yeah, yeah. back. We're gonna get to Arsenal. We're gonna get to Arsenal, Javier. I, I don't want to jump off this it, without look. talking about Leicester League Cup segment. Get out of here. <laughs> How desperate are you, bro? The uh, a little bit. We, we have to talk about Leicester. I I think everyone has to change their uh, like concept of what a, a home or away game with Leicester is. Since Brendan Rodgers uh, was given the job, only Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea have got more league points uh, in that time. So the, Leicester are a team that, under Brendan Rodgers, at least, they're setting their sights on like top four kind of form. I don't know if they'll be able to get it, but you have to think that with them having the craziest league title win of all time, like admittedly like a very different team, but that fan base is used to unlikely things happening. So I, I don't think top four is like too big of a, uh, of a leap for them this year. I'm not going to go ahead and predict it right now because there's still a lot to happen at those other uh, three or four clubs. In like six or seventh, so... Well, no, I mean, we'll, we'll get to Chelsea in a little bit. But yeah, there's. I'm just saying, there's uh, there's kind of a precedent here that something crazy could happen with Leicester and they just have like a dream run of a season. So I call first dibs. Also, I didn't I have them before the, the season started as the surprise team to push for top six? Where, where are Everton and Wolves right your, now? That was your pick. What are Everton yeah. and Wolves doing right about now? Or are they getting relegated? Yeah, Everton. Not Everton, great, they're, they're, they're mid-table. If Everton get relegated, I'm throwing a parade. I don't know where <laughs> the parade like is going, points. but I'm what are throwing you guys talking? One, okay? I think they have as many points as Chelsea, and Alex is talking about them like getting relegated. Like, it's hilarious <laughs> no, more right wolves, now. More wolves than Everton, but yeah. Um, yeah, I just I just want to throw that out there about Leicester. I don't think you can think of them as like a mid-table team anymore. You're, you have to think of it as like a really tough away game against an almost top six side. I think that's fair. I think they they arguably like on their day they can play with anyone. So it, it, that's the biggest thing. They just they don't have as much depth as some of these other top six teams. But they don't need on to their right day, now. They can play with anyone. Absolutely. They don't have right, Europe. But right uh, now, they have seven points. All right. Yes. One seven, point behind Chelsea and United and Spurs. Yes. Uh, let's okay. So let's do this. Let's do. We'll do favorite player here, guys. And if you, if I like, I feel like it's tough to give out one. If you want to do like a a few, go for it. But do you want to? Do we want to do? Let's do favorite player currently on the roster, and then favorite player of all time. Ooh, oh yeesh! Oh man, you're throwing curveballs yeah. at us now. Well, that's yeah, easy for Alex. Golo Lampard. All right, done. Uh, no, no, what? for me, what? Huh? What? No. Javier, go I mean, ahead. those are your two favorite players currently and of all time. No, I didn't say uh, you, you're saying that you're wrong on both, but okay. Wow. Ooh. Right. Oh, all Mason right. Mount, maybe? No, no, you, Javier, no, no. you go ahead. You go ahead. Right. I'm still I'll, thinking. I'll go I'm with mine. Thinking. Sure. My, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Arsenal player of all time is Thierry Henry. Uh, that's easy. He's the one who got me into Arsenal. And um, my favorite player of all time is Lionel Messi. I mean, I gush about him like almost every pod. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty easy for me. Okay. Currently. On the current roster? Currently on the, the current play. roster. Lacazette. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you didn't say before. Um, th- this is really tough. It's Yeah, it's, this is tough. Um, I'll say Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Because Ruben Loftus-Cheek is 23, about to turn 24 now. 
And I've legitimately been watching him since he was 16 years old. It's a little weird. I've, I've had eight years almost of watching this kid who was like 6'3 and skinny grow into like an absolute powerhouse who's still not like fully announced himself, but I just know he's going to. And I'm really excited for that. And uh, I just hope he can stay healthy. That's the obviously the one main question with him. But he's like, he's you grow an attachment to certain players when you watch them at like a really young age, like consistently. I've probably watched, I probably watched him when he was coming up more than any of the current crop of players coming out of the academy. So I'll say him for right now. And then all time, John Terry. It's the captain. I was a center back. That's my position. I tried to play like John Terry. He was our leader. He was the like Frank was amazing. Obviously, I have a I have a wealth of people to pick from as a Chelsea fan. But John Terry was the guy I was like trying to be like on the field. Uh, other than the racist stuff and other than the cheating on his wife stuff, everything else, I'm I'm completely there for John Terry. <laughs> That's good. Glad you could uh, just want to put, put a disclaimer there <laughs> before Javier did. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you could get out in front of that one. Uh, all-time favorite player for Liverpool is obviously Steven Gerrard. Uh, favorite player on the roster right now is Roberto Firmino, but I will say Trent Alexander-Arnold is pushing very hard at that. Uh, Did you see that uh, that Firmino versus uh, Gomez uh, video that they put out recently, like the versus heads up? Have you seen that, Andrew, no. online? I haven't seen oh, it Oh, it's really, really good. I, I, I hadn't like really seen the two like interact, but... They, I'm guessing they like they probably hang out a lot and they're boys and yeah check that video out online it came out recently I will I will be definitely taking a taking a, a peek at that one all right Manchester City like I said just absolutely beat down Watford over the weekend David Silva in the first Aguero penalty in the eighth Mares in the twelfth Bernardo in the fifteenth Automendi in the eighteenth it's over at this point like to just insert stop stop he's already dead from the Simpsons Bernardo in the forty eighth and the sixtieth and the Kevin De Bruyne goal was just straight up disrespectful I mean it I was love a, it. it was insane As someone just, who captained him in fantasy I love it it was so disrespectful to just walk in and just like fire that rocket inside the box was it was just borderline unfair five nothing after eighteen minutes and also. All the Watford players have to be feeling bad about this one, but there was a free the free kick that Mares hit in the twelfth minute literally went off the face of a Watford player and then into the back of the neck. And like you have to feel bad for that guy because you the, lose eight nothing and you take a ball to the face that goes into the back of the net. The Just, David Silva goal was off of the kickoff. It was like yeah, fifteen or sixteen passes off of the kickoff, and then they just scored like. The De Bruyne cross for that was Which literally is insane perfect. that that like City can do that, you know. They do they did it a bunch of times last year too where they scored in like the first or the second minute. I think this was the fastest one yet. So, yeah, I mean just absolutely um awesome as the pundit said, Manchester City and yeah, I mean that this is what they do when uh when you wake in the beast guys, so Don't poke the bear. Uh, don't poke the bear. <laughs> Damn it, Norwich, she poked the bear. <laughs> I saw I saw a quote from Pep Guardiola about Eric Garcia, who uh, wears number 50 for Manchester City. He's one of their youth players who's getting time because of the injuries in the back. And he he picked out during warm-up because they weren't sure if Watford or were going to run a back four, back five. And he went over to Pep at 18 years old be like, hey, by the way, they're running a back four that he noticed during warm-up, which is just... That's not good. Don't need. We don't need this. We don't need these smart players breaking through at Manchester City. I mean, young eighteen-year-old Peps just 
looking yeah. to become coaches already, need... and they're 18 years old. Yeah, we, we don't need their this. Careers. No, we don't need this. Uh, so update, Manchester City good, Watford not so much. Uh, some questionable decisions on the starting 11 for Watford. They still haven't started their uh, their big signing from the season uh, is uh, Saar, the uh, Senegalese winger. Um, and Roberto Pereira doesn't start. And Andre Gray, who's a, their only natural striker on this uh, group of players that they use this weekend, also on the bench. So I don't really know how well Watford thought this was going to go, but it ended very poorly. Uh, 14-0 the last two games against Manchester City when you think about that 6-0 in the FA Cup final. Uh, That's not great, Bob. Got to look at the two-game records within a certain time span of each other. That's got to be up there uh, in a non-actual two-legged affair. Uh, It's not good. All right, let's do uh, let's do favorite jersey here, and uh, I'll start. I'll start. I love Liverpool's kit this year, but it's not my favorite. My favorite is the one from two years ago when they had the white collar, the like the V neck style collar, and they had the little cuffs around the. Uh, the it's the one that they lost in the Champions League final to Real Madrid. Those ones are my favorite. They're the 125th anniversary right. kits. Those were real smooth. I have the Firmino one of those, um, and if we're going like. If we're going like favorite alternate Liverpool kits, I really like the purple that they used last year. Uh, the all purple kit that New New Balance came out with were, were really nice. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that one. And are you guys taking New Balance to court or something? New Balance is taking us to court because Nike wants to come in and drop the big old bag and give a, and take over manufacturing our kits. And New and, and New Balance is like, nah, we've got a contract, and we're like, nah, we can get out of it. So we're oh okay, we're gonna go to court. Yeah. It's going to be super fun. Grab those while you still can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for this, I'll say I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of like super flashy kits for Chelsea. Anytime they do like any kind of risk, I'm usually not a big fan of it uh, for Chelsea kits. So I usually go with understated. And that's like, that's either the 2004, 2005 one, which is like also sentimental because that was the first league win of like the current era. Uh, it was just the basic blue with the white trim around the, uh, the, the edges. And then the 2006, seven one, which is probably my favorite ever is the Adidas three stripes, uh, down the, the shoulder and then a single white bar on like the front and center part of the collar and then blue around the rest of it. It was just really clean. Um, it's a nice light Royal blue. Uh, so yeah, I was a big fan of that one. And I can't, I can't really choose between the, uh, the, the, millions it seems like of the alternate kits that Chelsea have had over the years uh and then I guess a random one would be Peru's uh this for you Javier it's Peru's oh. white with the red sash across it's yes. just beautiful it's, I know it's not like as historic Classic. maybe as like the the Brazil uh yellow and blues like because those were like the, one of the first uh at the one of the first world cups that it had uh like uh, color tv that really stood out to people in 1970 and it was Brazil's uh, yellow kits or the gold ones, I guess they say, and Peru's uh, white with the red sash that like everyone in Europe like remembered those teams because they had such like standout looks to them. Yeah, uh, my favorite is the Arsenal banana yellow that you know all the Arsenal fans rave about. Our kits from you know the Invincible season and uh, yeah, those were yeah. fucking amazing. And we and we with have the, the navy ones blue. From- it was like yeah, the navy blue yeah, was the second the color. Blue. That was yep. nice. And then we the have the current yellow ones are so the current clean. yellow ones are super. Yeah, those nice are too. those are like a favorite, mustard yellow. 
Those are nice. And then my favorite like kit, I think just in like world football is, is the, the Dortmund home kits. Um, just like the black and yellow. I love like almost every year they look super badass and, uh, yeah, I just think that they uh, it also just in a stadium when like everyone's wearing it, it just like it looks really intimidating. It's like you're in a big ass really beehive. Like yeah, exactly. It's, and you got twelve like, yeah. or eleven angry right. bees plus a, thousands a lot of more bees trying that to are kill super you. Super angry at you, right? I uh, if I'm if we're gonna throw out international kits, I love I love a good Croatian the checkerboard kit. Are those I always has to be mentioned. Those. Yeah, it has to be it has to be brought up. Let's let's we'll hit we'll hit favorite moment here while we're. Uh, while we're striving through before we, we talk about West Ham and Manchester United. And I it's easy for me to say the Champions League, like the aftermath of the Champions League was awesome, but that game kind of sucked. So I'm going to say the, the 4-0 win at Anfield was like the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I've probably watched the Trent Alexander take, taking the short corner and Origi goal like, like easily 10,000 times in the last like – a few months since it happened like without like i might just go like there will be random times where i'll just see it on twitter and retweet it and it'll be like two in the afternoon on like a random tuesday when there's no soccer on because it it just it just makes me smile it just it just makes me happy i don't know how to describe it 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 was it was awesome it was i i was ready to just run around my building and doing laps like we're going to the final we're going to the final we're going to the, it was awesome so I'm going to say that. Yeah, that, there's nothing like those comebacks. Those comebacks are just like when you just start getting the momentum and you start to believe after a couple goals that you can actually do it. Yeah, there's nothing quite yeah, like I that. Mean, runner that, up. When that was runner happening, up was, you were just like, what? Not again, Barcelona. The, like, the Man City, the, the the win over Man City with Klopp when they were undefeated a couple years ago when we beat them, like, what was that, 4-3 in that crazy Premier League right. game? That one has to be up there too. Like that's that's very high up there. And the Dortmund comeback was great, but the Barcelona one is it, that's it. That has to be it. What's the worst one? Ooh, worst probably either the Stoke City like six nil. Oh, that last was the last day of the, day of the season. season. Didn't mean anything. It no, but it, it's got to be stakes, like, Andrew. It's got to be stakes. I'm talking they, well, they Gerard should've... slipping. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm talking. Gerard slipping. Gerard I'm talking Crystal yeah. Palace Gerard away. Slipping. Crystal Palace away was awful, but the Europa League final, the Alberto Moreno Europa League final, because not only because we got screwed by UEFA because Mamadou Saka was supposed to be able to play and then didn't because he quote unquote tested positive for steroids, and then a couple months, like literally like three weeks after the final was played, they're like, actually it was a false positive, he was fine, and. Like we got completely gashed on that left side because it was Colo Torre and Alberto Moreno playing as the left side of our at our, our left side of our defense. That one hurt because it could have gotten us into the Champions League a year before. Um, that one really sucked. But yeah, I, I'd probably put the slip because people haven't stopped I, thinking I think, about it ever. Andrew, I think that was I think that was uh, before Champions League got. Uh, or Europa League got Champions League qualification. No, it was the first year. It was the Are you first sure? year. I thought the first year was when United did yes. it. Yes. No. So it was that was the first year huh. an English team did it, but Sevilla got in that that year. Okay. Because of that. All right. Alex, I'll turn this over to you. Best and worst moment. Best and worst moment. Uh, I'll start with the worst. This is, is a dual award. <laughs> I've only cried from a sporting event twice in my life, uh, and those two times have both been Chelsea matches. And they've both been far later in my uh, in my development than I'm keen to share. <laughs> in 2008, when Chelsea lost the Champions League final to Manchester United, it was just 
it was the John Terry slip. It was the chance to win it if Terry just scores that penalty, but he misses it. We end up losing on sudden death uh, after outplaying United for most of the game. Uh, and then the 2009 Champions League semifinal with uh, Barcelona when uh, Iniesta scored in the 90th minute. I, I was I was like a sophomore in high school or junior in high school. That was a great moment. I was a junior in high school. And I remember just the other, neutral, the other was, feeling of just like being robbed was – it was crazy because we'd come so close to winning the Champions League for years and years and years up to that. Got to like three out of four semifinals – uh, won one or two of uh, one one of them, lost two of them, won to a ghost goal that we now have this podcast name from, uh, and, and then to get robbed of like four different penalties when we we're already up one nil against Barcelona, and you know they they it was nil nil the first leg. It, we were we would have just destroyed them, and we were destroying them, and then to have that goal go in, I, I credit Iniesta. It was amazing and a, a great play, but it never should have happened. Um, and Chelsea should have won the Champions League that year. But that leads in perfectly to the best moment because uh, it's, I mean, it has to be the 2 2 at the New Camp uh, back in 2012 when uh, Fernando Torres goes in right at the end to seal it. Uh, we were down to 10 men after Terry got sent off for like basically flooring Alexis Sanchez like earlier on in the game. We were losing. Ramirez scored to put us ahead like on away goals. One of the great craziest chips I've ever seen in in that kind of moment, and then the, the Torres uh, going through on goal with like the whole field to himself and rounding Valdez and scoring. I was sitting in my sociology class and I'd just given a fifteen minute presentation while the game was going on, and I got back to my seat and I was sitting down watching someone else's presentation. And Torres breaks away free. And I'm reacting in class like, go on. Like, yeah. Oh, looking at my computer. I can't even contain it. And everyone's looking at me. It's like something out of like a, a movie where everyone's just turning around and looking at me. And the person presenting just stopped. And I like lowered my computer and was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then I put it or opened my laptop up again. And I just see like the whole team celebrating. And then like full time whistle goes. It was it was just like retribution and like, I can't even get into the Bayern <laughs> game now. I don't have time now, but yeah, that was, that was by far the you greatest moment. Taking like fucking Bibles justice. on this shit. Justice. Well, yeah. Cause our teams are awesome. It was just no, the no, purest form of just, justice, no. Javier, because of how right. terrible those worst moments were. Okay. Oh, it was beautiful. Are you done? Are you done now? I mean, I could go on, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'm sure you I'll could. abstain. All right. <laughs> My uh, my favorite moment just in in the football, FA Cup win. Um, which, which 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 of the FA Cup wins, Javier? No no no, I can't. I'm not going to use Arsenal here. I'm going to use Peru, uh, purely because my whole life, like my first real team that I that I like started supporting was Peru when I was a little kid, and my dad always promised me like every year, uh, every when the World Cup was coming around, like during qualifying. If, you know, Peru qualified, then he would take me to wherever the World Cup was, like the first one they qualified, because they hadn't qualified since he was a kid. Um, it was, since, what, 34 you know, 19, years it ended up being? Yeah, since since 1986. So going to the World Cup, um, you know, in Russia was amazing. And while there wasn't that many amazing moments, definitely winning a game and, like, scoring that first goal and, like, having a full stadium full of Peruvians just, like, freaking out. and Crazy uh, goal, too. Korea, going right? crazy. Yeah. So that was that was really fun um, and, you know, probably my favorite moment in, in football um, that I've experienced. And the worst moment was also at that World Cup, which was missing uh, – Cueva missing the penalty. 
And oh yeah, against just, Denmark. Yeah, just everyone in the stadium thought we were gonna score, and I was like, I like fell to the floor. I was recording it, and like I had in the recording, <laughs> you just see me like oh, man. basically like draw almost drop my phone and just like yeah, it was it was crippling. It was awful. Um, it's funny how that works. How your best moments, your favorite moments, almost like coincide with your your worst ones. Everyone's, everyone's, I'm saying. Mine too, the Chelsea ones. Like, they're all related. Speaking of worst moments, let's talk about one of Manchester United's recently worst moments, which was an away win to West Ham. Oh, we lost to West Ham. Yarmolenko in the 44th and Cresswell, a free kick in the 84th. Uh, Alex, congratulations. Two wins two wins in two weeks on our bets of the week. You had this, a West Ham plus 240 to win over Manchester United. Um just another. Maybe Alex should start doing the uh, the bet segment. You know, um, I didn't get I any of those right. To be fair, locks yeah, of the okay. week. <laughs> That's uh, true. You're on a good run too. Yeah, uh, just another toothless weekend from Manchester United. Like all the criticism it's, it's, that we threw at Arsenal last weekend at Watford, we should absolutely be throwing even more at United. Granted, mm-hmm. that team they put out was one of the worst like teams I've ever seen Manchester United field. It was everyone was like awful. the commentators were saying like, oh, if you look on paper, like West Ham's team looks better on paper. It's like ah, Jesus, yeah, they kind of do. You know, uh, it's it's a little embarrassing that like Maguire and you know Wambasaka and Daniel James, who all played in this game and who. You know, again, we're every game this season pretty much have been the best three players United have had. Kind of says a lot that you know they're, they're all of their offensive like capabilities right now are through this Daniel James kid who's twenty one. This is his like Premier League debut season, and a club like Manchester United is putting almost all of their offensive like you know almost everything offensively through him. Well, um, right now, then, I mean, yeah, Martial's just right now. Hurt. Obviously, Pop was hurt, and you know, Martial's hurt, and Hound isn't playing too well. But that's, that's our nickname for Rashford. Many attacking by the way. options. Yeah, Rash- <laughs> Rashford. We we always refer to him and, as the Hound. <laughs> and is that a Game um, of Thrones reference? No, it came completely before I knew anything about the Hound from Game of Thrones. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. The, the West Ham, though, they uh, they're my West Ham. They're uh, they're my dark horses, uh, you know. I talked about. I, I think you bit. just mentioned them. You picked Everton, Javier. Don't, don't, don't. We we have the tape. Yeah. We 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 have the tapes. They're released. I picked Everton, but I you know West Ham. Yeah, you. Hedged, I mean, I don't think this is usual. like that big of a deal. I didn't. Think, I didn't think they played like that well. I just they didn't. United were just they didn't need to. Shit. United, yeah. yeah. They they the chance creation, like you said, going through James. I I, I mean, so far this season, I would agree, but. I don't really remember too many positive sights of him in this game. Uh, and maybe that was part of West Ham's plan. Shut down the the one real threat that United have had, had like consistently this season and let the likes of Mata and Pereira try to try to break you down. And you know, other than that chance that Mata missed like at the back post, the, the really, really good chance. That United, was a pretty good chance. United didn't really create anything. And you know and West Ham just needed now to take more They were left playing. without a striker at the end of the game. Jesse Lingard was playing striker right. because uh, uh, Rashford, Rashford came, off. came off hurt, and it looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks. I think Martial's coming back I, now, though. To, yeah, like, but Martial, weekend. oh, Martial's coming back. Oh, and he's not going to get hurt tomorrow. Like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> the guy's made of glass. Don't I mean, just trade. I don't if he needs to be, st- three if weeks he needs for to be Rashford, starting week in and three week weeks out for Martial. 
and then they'll get injured. Right. If he needs the... to be starting like week in and week out, then like there's no way any of these guys are ever going to get a consistency going, you know, if they keep getting hurt. So uh, United are in huge trouble. Like, I don't understand how they don't use Ashley Young as a winger in this game and bring in like Marcus Rojo to play left back. Like Ashley Young could have provided way more width than a guy like uh, than Pereira has. Like Pereira's a center of the field type of guy. Don't see him playing in that position I, and being. Effective. I think a bigger problem than than that. I mean, even though that's like a decent solution, is they just didn't have a plan B. Like United used to have plans B and C, which was we bring on Fellaini and hoofing long balls. <laughs> And yeah, I know, but I'm saying they they had a plan A going into the game. They created a few chances. It wasn't amazing, but no, they had penalties. a plan. Then Rashford got hurt. <laughs> yeah, then Rashford got hurt, and it really went to shit. When Rashford got hurt, they should have had a a a, a plan B. And you know they they used to have Fellaini. They used to have Lukaku. These players left over the summer, and they they didn't replace them. They didn't go and get. Someone who can get you 25 goals. Someone who can come in from the midfield and be a nuisance every game and, and change the game. It just feels like United now, you look at their bench and were, and they were bringing on Lingard to like win the game. And you were just like, all right, well, they're not getting anything out of this game. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm a United fan, it's it's dire right now. Um, Shout out to Mason Greenwood for getting But I don't think you can blame Ole Gunnar Solskjaer either because... It seems like he wanted more. He was trying to get more, and and you know the United board didn't give it to him. So there's that's a lot of problems. Every manager in that club. for the past like that's every manager since frankly Moyes. Do you know how many players that like managers have said they they told a player, hey, I don't want you. I'm gonna sell you, and then hasn't found someone who will be able to pick up salary. Like like Phil Jones doesn't belong on this Manchester United team. Like. Like we could keep we go down the roster of guys who don't belong on a team that's going to challenge for a title that are still at United. It's just the way things are. It's it like United fans are starting to come around that it doesn't really matter who the manager is. It, the the problem is the boardroom. It's like we see this all the time in the NFL or in the NBA or in you know or any league. Like look at the, the Baltimore Orioles are a trash organization that made the playoffs a couple years ago because they had a great manager who got a lot out of them, but. They're not going to do anything because their ownership isn't going to go spend any money. Manchester United is starting to become that team. And even when they do go and spend money, they're not spending on the pieces that they need. Yeah. So this is only going to get worse. Unless they have like some miraculous class of 92 that somehow comes through the academy, no, which the, doesn't the, look like the, it's going to happen. The, the problem with the class... The- you know, and the class of '92. Neville talked about it today. People were saying, "Oh, that's maybe what United need to do is go, you know, get invest in their youth and have players like you know Juan Bissaka, who's 21, and Daniel James is 21, and invest in players like that, and you know, have a, a young class." But the class of '92 had a bunch of veterans, um, like Yapstam, like uh, Schmeichel, like uh, you know, Stam was a bit later, but yeah, Stam was like but there was just a bunch of players who joined Steve that Bruce. team and that. Were, Brian Robson. Were the spine of the team, exactly, who who transitioned that class of 92, showed them how to be winners, and, like, groomed them. And it took them a long time to win. They didn't win for, like, seven or eight years, but they had those, those all those really great players with them. Um, and, you know, it took a player like Cantona coming in and changing the fortunes of the club. So, I... I it, it... United need a lot, a lot of work. They need... Um, I don't know if all is. It, it is the top to down, do it. though. It is top down. Like I, I think that there's elements of like both here. I know we got to move on, but it's 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 something we can probably talk about later. Like a greater comparison. Like everyone seems to be making the comparison between 
what United are doing and what Chelsea are trying to do. Like they're kind of similar, but also very different. So we can probably talk about that in like a future pod. Also, Chelsea, uh, United don't have the loan army that Chelsea have. They also don't didn't have the transfer ban. That that yeah, that's a bigger indictment though. Uh, before we go to Arsenal and Aston Villa, you got I, I've got a couple favorite quotes, and it's all from Klopp. But if you've got a favorite, couple favorite quotes from a player or a coach, also I want to show shout out Louis Van Gaal, who maybe has one of my favorite EPL quotes of all time when he was on his way out at United and it was around Christmas time when he just yelled at the press to enjoy the wine and the mince pies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> on his way to the door. That was an all time. Louis Van Hall really was like, a like all time, says, all time asshole, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yes. You, everyone says Mourinho probably gave you the best quotes, but I don't know, man, there was like a six month period where Louis Van Hall was just generating some of the best quotes I've ever heard at a press conference of all time, because that guy was just a straight up dick. Yeah. It wasn't, he wasn't likable though. <laughs> My favorite quote is uh, from a vi- training video uh, for Manchester city, just watching Pep, like, like dictate to the players what to do. And then just like, if they're not doing what he wants, he's just like, fuck you, fuck you. He just like screams, fuck you at the players. And yeah, I mean, this is the be- best coach that, in the world. That's from know? the uh, Amazon does, documentary, so. right? It's like one of, it's one yeah, of the yeah, viral absolutely. moments from the Amazon documentary. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, well, how about you, Alex? What's your. Uh... Please don't call me arrogant. But I'm a European champion. And I think yeah, I am a special that's one. A, that's an amazing coach. That's an amazing quote. Day that's one, a, uh... first press conference, Mourinho sits down. He's like young and hot as shit, fresh off a of Champions League with Porto, a UEFA Cup the year before that. Uh, and he just goes, listen, I'm not like the rest of these managers. I'm special and you guys have to treat me that way. Don't like I'm like Alex Ferguson. Chelsea is a top club now. And he just like he was the original of our ball. He just spoke us into existence. Like we, we went from being like the Tottenham of the nineties where we were just like what you consider Tottenham for maybe like the last decade before Pochettino came in good, but never like consistent enough to do anything. Mourinho just spoke in this juggernaut into existence and like everyone just jumped on board and we've never looked back. All right. I've got three from Klopp. One is it's from last year and it's Mosala, world class most days, but not every day. Sadio Mane, world class most days, but not every day. Roberto Firmino, world class pretty much every day. Because just talking about like the importance of the system, because Firmino is just so much fun to watch. The let's talk about six after the Champions League <laughs> is an all timer. <laughs> but my first favorite one, and it's one of my favorite gifts. We beat Man City three 0 in 2016 with Pellegrini. And it was also from one of Firmino like scored his first goal, and we like we just rock City. It was just after Klopp had come in, and he said, "All I have to say is, boom," boom. and like 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 it like that's how you knew like that was the first like really big win for Klopp, and we just ran City off the park that night. But I mean, there are so many. Also, honorable mention: Brendan Rodgers, the cackle after he said. Joe Allen, the Welsh Chavy, is was was one of my favorite Rogers quotes. But yeah, uh, let's get into Arsenal and Aston Villa's wild affair. Like I said in the open, McGinn in the twentieth, Pepe's penalty, Wesley a minute after that, Chambers and Aubameyang, and the Ainsley Maitland Ainsley Maitland Niles second yellow card in the forty first. How good 
was that a Bamiyang free kick in the 84th minute, Javier? I mean, the guy is uh, he's putting the the Alexes to bed right now, and the Javiers, the the crickets, the the. Oh no no! He's putting no, he, he's putting he the crickets to bed. He hasn't done right anything. Now. Tom Heaton should have had it. It was Tom Heaton. He it was Tom Heaton's it. side. He was too close to the center. Whatever, man. He scored in uh, five straight games, and he's—I mean—he's a machine right now. He's got 16 goals in his last 16 Premier League games. Um, he's almost averaging. I think he, uh, behind Harry Kane in the last two years, he's the only person who's uh, scored more goals than him. Or no, uh, I think it's Mohamed Salah. Actually, he has more than Kane now. So and Aguero. Um, yeah, yeah. Aguero is just the—the the guy gets injured, so. In the last couple of years, since Aubameyang's come into the league, um, you know he's been the second most consistent striker. And yeah, I mean it's it's super impressive that he also gave that penalty to to Nicolo, Nicolas Pepe to you know get his confidence up and to give him a first goal. He did the same for Lacazette and gave Lacazette his first goal. Um, you know, gifted him a penalty. Did the same here, and yeah, it's just really good to see that team spirit. It it, it it's the type of thing that makes you you know, feel sure that every home game this year, we're going to be really hard to beat. Um, and like that, our team isn't going to give up even if something messed up happens, which I kind of thought was going to really happen. I thought, you know, we just had a bad result against Watford and we went down one nil early on. And I mean, I was like, I was, I was with Alex and I was saying like, we were watching the Chelsea game at the same time, but I was watching the Arsenal game on like, on like a laptop while also watching the Chelsea game. But I was focusing on Arsenal a lot. And I was like saying to him, like McGinn's destroying us in the first like 15, 20 minutes. And he scored like shortly afterward. And before the game, we were all like, you know, McGinn, we were thinking McGinn was going to score and he had a field day. There's a lot of problems we still have, but the one positive that I can take is just like, you know, the team spirit, you know, having some amount of squad depth, our substitutes, you know, actually made a big difference. Um, and, you know, Gwen Doozy, he's a hell of a player at home. He, this season, he's been... Only the second half. <laughs> he's been, yeah, I know he was, he, he was, he was pretty good in the first half too. He just uh, a little fiery, but you like to see that. You like to see that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not going to take too much from this game because I think Arsenal are going to win slash draw most of the next couple of months. We have a pretty easy fixture. We Our next fixture is like away United. That's probably our, our next hardest fixture in the next two months. So, you know, this is going to be like a growing period for us. We're going to have to integrate our players, uh, get them back in. Tier, like like I mentioned earlier, um, Tierney, Bayadeen, and Holding all played today in the, uh, in the League Cup 5-0 win over in Nottingham Forest. So, um, it's really good to have them back. And if we can get them integrated into the team, you know, get that back going, I think um, I think we'll, I think we'll improve a lot defensively and offensively because the team won't be nearly as worried, you know, that we're going to capitulate at the back. So uh, also Unai in Unai's system, like the wing backs are so important. That's where all the width comes from. So without that width right now, Kolasinic is okay. You know Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He he has to. He's not a natural right back, so he has to worry a lot about defending and can't get forward nearly as much as I'm sure he would want to. Um, and then just quickly on the Villa side, it's a little worrying for them that they've had a, they've had a, they were up against Tottenham, they were up against Arsenal last week, they were up against 
Uh, Villa's last few games, they lost to Arsenal 3-2. The week before that, they drew West Ham. They lost to Palace. And then before that was their victory over... Uh, then they drew... Oh, then they beat Everton 2 now. Yeah, okay. So it was... Yeah, I mean, they lost to Palace. Um, and yeah, it just... It feels like for Villa, they, they... Oh, they've gotten a bunch of red cards too. That That's the other thing. They've gotten multiple red cards. And yeah, I don't know. It, it, it feels like... For them, they're gonna they're gonna struggle a lot this year, a lot more than I thought. I I, I definitely thought that. Tried to tell y'all. Yeah, I definitely thought that they were gonna be. Um, I mean, they played well against us, and but I think it was more like a product of us just being capitulating and 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 being really weak at the back right now than than them being you know brilliant. Um, it, it feels like they're they're really gonna have to get their shit together at home and. If they can get the the points at home, then they'll stay up. If not, then you know, um, they're gonna be they're gonna be right in the relegation fight, right around seventeenth or eighteenth. I feel like they're gonna be a chippy team for a while, like especially as long as like Watford's struggling and a few other teams are struggling. If they can take some points now, they're gonna they're gonna be chippy. But yeah, Alex Alex's relegation pick is looking okay right now. Um, let's do. So, all right, so I've got biggest bust and biggest surprise player. Now, when I mean bust, give me one transfer, and, like, if you've got a youth player, like, I was so convinced that Jordan please, Ott, we were going to be fine. We are going to be fine with the Raheem Serling sale because we had Jordan Ibe coming up, <laughs> and, man, was that a bad take. Oof. I also thought Sergi Canos was going to be really good, who was, like, purchased. He, like, came to Liverpool when Rafa was with Liverpool because they were, like, a bunch of, like, Spanish kids, like, young kids came to play with us, and Sergi Canos was just lighting it up for our U21s, like, all the time, and then he went on loan to, like, the championship and did nothing, and now he plays for, like, some random team either in League One or the championship. Um... But biggest bust, it's hard to not say Christian Benteke because he just did not fit at all. But Lazar Markovic, man, he had that one game against Sunderland where he had that ridiculous volley that hit the side of the bar. He balled out that entire game, and it was when Brendan Rodgers let Raheem Sterling go to Jamaica for like a week because he had been playing so much, and he was still like 20 at the time. Could you imagine if Raheem asked Pep that? (laughs) (laughs) you're like Raheem you're not gonna play for a month (laughs) just for asking me that (laughs) 100 percent uh but that was we were using so this was the year after Suarez was sold we were playing that 3-4-2-1 because we had because Daniel Sturridge was broken Mario Balotelli was a train wreck we had Ricky Lambert and Raheem Sterling playing striker we played Adam Lallana and Coutinho underneath as the two attacking midfielders and we played Emre Chan in a back three. It was a dark time for Liverpool Football Club. Um, but, yeah, Lazar Markovic came in. He had a couple good games, and he has since just done absolutely nothing. He spent, like, half of last year just, like, not playing. I was so convinced that he was going to be good coming from Benfica. To be fair, every Liverpool and, fan I, like, know pretty well thought he was going to be really good. And, like, would yeah. always insist, like, oh, we have Markovic coming back. And I'm just going to be like... He hasn't done anything like for you guys, like really, like he hasn't done anything, but you know, you, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Uh, biggest surprise player. I was really worried when Nathaniel Klein was out and then we went to Manchester United and put this young 18 year old Trent Alexander Arnold kid in. And I was like, is this kid going to yeah, be that, okay? That like it's pretty this... crazy. Yeah. And his yeah. debut season. 
Yeah, and then Breaking he continued the to play. record. And then he played a bunch that year, came back the next. Klein's hurt, like, all of all of that year. And he just comes in and full-on, like, like Nathaniel Klein got Wally pipped. Like, Nathaniel Klein was in the, was in the English national team, like, rotation for right back. And then Trent Alexander-Arnold came because he got super hurt. So... Uh, Nathaniel Klein will probably get sold at some point in the near future, but yeah, watching Trent come along, I did not expect this. And I have another take about Trent that I will save for when we get to the to the Liverpool Chelsea recap in a moment. But those are my my few. Javier, yeah, mine is uh, my biggest bust is Mesut Ozil. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't think that counts. <laughs> or, uh, I don't. I don't think he helped you win trophies. Yeah, like, but they were kind of. I mean, FA Cups. I don't know. I'm. I think he should have helped us win the league, and we should have won the league. Um, at least one of the years with him. If he didn't keep stop his production, like the the year that we had, that he had the 17 assists by December, and Giroud had like 13 goals, and they both ended with like, Giroud ended the season with no goal, no more goals. He ended with 13, and Ozil with one more assist. So. For me, he's been the biggest bust for what he was supposed to be. And uh, my biggest surprise has been probably Nacho Monreal, who uh, left the club gracefully this summer, but was a player who throughout his entire time at Arsenal was pretty consistent. And, uh, Wait, was that, was that a shot at Koscielny? <laughs> Were you going to pick yeah. Koscielny until he left ungracefully this summer and now you've picked Nacho Monreal? No, because Koscielny had a couple of years where he was pretty bad. Right, where, so he was like, a surprise. But he came out so, of nowhere be, being good. He did come out of nowhere. But, like, Monreal was just, like, super consistent the entire time. And I didn't expect him to, like, last as long as he did and do as well as he did even later on in his career. Um, and his level never really dropped off, um, even when Arsenal were doing really bad. So he was almost always our one of our most, our most consistent performers. And, yeah, it was a big surprise to me. I would say, like, if there's one player that, like, left the club that I thought was going to be really good that um, – I mean, now he's kind of turning out pretty good. It's like Jeff Wren, Adelaide, who's now in Lyon. Um, I thought he was going to be like super good as a kid and just was like tearing up the youth teams. And then we sold him and he didn't look good like when he played for us the few times that he did. So I thought maybe he wasn't going to be that good. But I don't know. Now he's kind of becoming a little bit of a late bloomer at like 21, 22, which uh, it's quote unquote late bloomer. But, you know, these kids now at 17, 18, 19, you know, you expect them to be world-class and be able to play in the team uh, like Mason Mount, you know, so. He's 20, to be fair. He's not like a teenager. But, um, yeah, this is this is kind of an easy one for me. Like all of these, I'm just like spoiled for choice. Uh, worst uh, bust is it's a, it's a toss up between Fernando Torres and Andrei Shevchenko. Nah, you won the Champions League with Torres. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say Andrei Shevchenko. Torres was part of my best moment ever. So how can right. he be yeah. the worst bust ever? That, yeah, right. I just wanted to throw his name out there because he does deserve an honorable mention. There's a lot of uh, worse strikers that were worse than Torres in the Chelsea. League. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm putting it in terms of what were the expectations and the the expectations. No, Timu Bakayoko. No, no. Uh, actually, you could kind of. I mean, we were we were hoping he worked out, but you could kind of tell that he wasn't the most skilled player, uh, even by watching him at Monaco. So that wasn't as surprising. Andrei Shevchenko, though, we broke our transfer record uh, for like the fourth time in two or three years to sign him for thirty million. I think that was 
up there in terms of world record fees, maybe like top five or something each, at the time. Uh, each of his goals cost Chelsea in the end. I think it was like two point five million. Yeah, goal that he scored. Yeah, and you know <laughs> I can maybe only pick out one of them. I remember like a goal against Tottenham in the FA Cup that was crazy, uh, but otherwise it was thirty million for a striker that was the best in Europe. Uh, he had been on those AC Milan teams that won European cups and lost to Liverpool in the European Cup final in 2005 but he was considered one of the three two or three best strikers in the world and in the Premier League he he had just lost it he was just like a step too slow at that age and at that point in his career to really affect the game as much um, so that that was really disappointing I got his jersey I was so excited for it and then maybe wore it five times <laughs> then just like was like I felt shame to wear that that kit um so and then the biggest surprise, uh, the reason we signed under Shevchenko in the first place was that we had signed Didier Drogba two years before in 2004, broke our transfer record for him. He was kind of injury prone and kind of soft and not really prolific the first two years. I think he scored maybe like twenty something league goals uh, in that in those first two seasons. We did win the league in those two seasons, but uh, he followed that up with like a huge explosion in like 2006 seven where he got like 30 goals and one golden boot. And we didn't win the league, but him being amazing was the reason Shevchenko never really got that much of a chance. And, you know, the rest of the story tells itself with Drogba. He went on to be our greatest ever striker. And it it didn't look like it was going to be that way. And people kind of forget that about his career at Chelsea. All right, speaking of Chelsea, let's talk about Liverpool's win over Chelsea at the bridge this past weekend. They win 2-1, which helped my Liverpool result to win in both teams to score at plus 220. And uh, guys, uh, as, as... you saw on Twitter, if you didn't already, at Andrew Pizarro at ASMOS92 at Pod at Javier Riv9. Um, I didn't even have a crazy night. Like, I was relatively sober on Saturday night. And the alarm just went off, and I've just been sleep. My sleeping pattern's been whack lately because of work. And I woke up with in the 60th minute of this game. Oh, my god! And I literally woke up. Oh, so I you literally, missed the only time that Liverpool played well in yeah. the game, basically. Because after the 60th minute, like, it was all Chelsea. Yeah, I woke up and was like, crap. I called friend of the pod, Mike, to be like, yo, I just woke up. I feel like I just cheated on my girlfriend. And what's going on? And he was like, I was put on the game, and it was like right like two minutes before Conte scored. And I was like, well, at least my bet hit. And then I was just holding on for dear life because Chelsea were just coming at us and at us and at us. But but credit to Joel Matip for, for just being the, the tallest guy in the box at all times and just heading everything away between him and Van Dyke. But like I said, 2-1 Liverpool. China Alexander-Arnold in the 14th. Firmino in the 30th. Off an assist from Andy Robertson. Conte in the 71st. And here was the Trent thing that I wanted to say. It is so fun having arguably one of the best free kick takers in the world on your team. Because every time he steps up there, you've got a chance. And it, it, I don't think we've had somebody this good at free kicks since Gerard and Suarez left this team. And that happened like four years ago. Coutinho, come on, man. Just, Put some respect to his name. No, come on, man. Coutinho, Go back and watch Coutinho the free kicks. Coutinho didn't have the dead ball skills. Yes, he did. He didn't have the dead ball well, skills. I, we few, talked about him as, as one of the five best in the league for multiple years on this podcast. Like, I'm sorry, you can't just go and wipe out history because he forced his way out of your club. Like, he was still a great free kick taker. Like, ja, he was the disrespect. He was, but Trent, I, I, he I will stand by while you shit on him in every other way. He corner. He didn't have it from the corner. Trent can do it from the corner. He can do it from any anywhere you put the ball dead on the field. Trent Alexander-Arnold can score from it. That, like, I fully believe Then why that. did they need to move the ball for the free kick? 
because they had a confused Chelsea. No, because he had to create a better angle because it wasn't a good enough angle. Come on, man. This is basic stuff. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That was a rip. That was a great free kick. I'll, I'll, I will concede that. The, the second Alex, one, I just, just, I was. Just tell us how happy you are with your Chelsea performance. Come on. I, Get to it. About as happy as I was with the Man United performance. You know, at the end of the day, it's still a loss. It's not an embarrassing loss, though. So it's, it's all kind of, it's all kind of, you know, uh, it's, it's not, it's, it, it's, I was talking to a guy in the office. I thought you guys played really fucking well. Yeah, it's progression. we did play well, but we You're lost. Building something. And we lost to Liverpool. Yeah, that lost. never that never feels good. Like, but it kind of felt like you were always going to lose that game. I don't know. It once the second goal went in. Once Firmino scored, it was. I think we need a new. And it, they kind of took their foot off the pedal at that point. They were just trying to defend the two. Well, no, they they you know, straight they up ran out of energy. Salah, Salah, and Mane looked completely gassed. Uh, yeah, they did. Mane was, got uh, hurt too. Mane came off with a dead leg, and they brought on. Uh, they brought on James Milner. They didn't even bring on like Shakiri for him in that in that. You guess, that point, you guess brought on a third defender just, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they brought on Joe Gomez late in the game. Like, Firmino almost scored the third goal. And Kepa. probably should have. Yeah, Kepa made like a crazy save. And that's probably what kept Chelsea in it. And like N'Golo, what a boss. Just like strolling through the entire Liverpool team, ripping it into the top corner. And then just like not even celebrating, not even a smile. Just runs back to like the midway line. It's just like, okay, we need to go. I am N'Golo. We're going to win. I was like, oh my God, what if N'Golo did something there? That, I mean, just. Oh, Is it even amazing. an impersonation of N'Golo Kante if you don't say I am N'Golo at some point? <laughs> Right. Every time I do it, I always say that for some reason. Um, I was I just <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to say I think we need to add a new most dangerous uh, time in a game to concede a goal. Because you know most people say the most dangerous time is when you've just scored. Uh, I think we have to add to that the most dangerous time to concede in a game is when you've just scored a goal and have it had it taken away from VAR. Because as soon as that goal oh, was yeah. chalked off. You could just feel Liverpool rising and the rest of our players sort of sitting back and try like reeling kind of. And you just felt Liverpool think to themselves, we can score here and basically end this game now. And and it ended up being the difference, obviously, that they got that Firmino goal soon after and we were practically all asleep uh, for it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I will say, despite the loss... I felt better about uh, this home game than I did about the Leicester home game after the fact and giving up the two goal lead to Sheffield in the 90th minute. And we got a point out of both of those games. So there's a lot of conflicting feelings, but yeah, out of, out of Tottenham, Chelsea, and maybe even Arsenal. Tamori had a really good performance. Out of Tottenham, United, Arsenal, Maybe Arsenal less so, but out of the, all those teams uh, that were kind of vying for those top four positions uh, with from last season, I feel like Chelsea, like based off form and progression, like overall this season, we're probably on the better like side of things in terms of like our overall prospects for this season. And you know, I'm not going to debate Chelsea versus Arsenal in that regard. It's kind of like arbitrary at this point. But Tottenham and United, I think you can look at them and think. They're both in a pretty big rut right now that they need to find some way to get out of. And until that point, I, I wouldn't hate a, a cheeky little bet on Chelsea to get top four this season. I, I know I'm going back on my prediction, but you know we're just we're starting to look like a, a an actual team that's I working towards you, like a, a a goal that will I think be top four. I completely agree with you. I I look at what I'll look yeah between the four of you, the team that I think has 
maybe not results, but put together probably the most consistent level of performance match in, match out is probably Chelsea. And when you playing all these youth guys, Alec, Javier, don't give me that look. Don't. I'm don't, sorry, don't. but we have the strikers that are scoring 20-plus goals a season. We have and multi- you have multiple ones that are conceding 30-plus so goals They a don't season. have any of those players. So, so I don't think they're going to be consistent this season because they're going to go through long spells where Tammy doesn't score, where they have no one else in that team who can score, the occasional Mason Malkel, but that's not enough. Those are going to dry out. Tammy's not going to get 35 goals this year. So, like... You don't need 35 goals. Yes, I mean, if they want to make top four, they're going to need Tammy Abraham to score 35 goals because they, they do not have do anybody not else that. on that That's team who's ridiculous. going to score double digits. 30, 35 is a ridiculous number, Javier. That's... Okay, 30, 25 goals. He has to score 25 I, goals. I would say 20, but... No. For them to get I top four, get tw- there's no way he's, they're getting top four even if he scores 20 goals. You heard it what here. I mean? Call me out at the end of the season if I'm wrong. So, okay... Um, I think what's making most people start to be more optimistic about Chelsea over Arsenal is that we've had more than a year of Unai Emery at Arsenal. And I didn't say anything during the the, the Villa game analysis, but you guys don't have any sort of viable, like, pressing. Like, you you don't press anyone until they get into your own third. And even then. with a makeshift left back, right back, and a shit center back. So are we. We had half our back line get injured during this game. And. We still managed to hold on, and, and I, I just also I think at like, the end of the day we were, the we were two, missing Lacazette, who's right. our main pressing option the day, in the front line. Over the course line, of a season, goals, of course, it's like Liverpool being anything. missing Firmino, and you guys having two almost twenty goal scorers is probably going to give you the edge. Um, but I, I think overall, like top to bottom squad wise, as as a team, like we've put together better performances this season than Arsenal, Tottenham, or or Manchester United, and you know. For a team yeah, that lost well, the first game four we'll, nil, uh, you know we we improved massively since then. So I'm, you know, but you but you guys, yeah, I think you guys are the most inconsistent though. I think like of maybe you've put in put in like good performances, but you've been so wildly inconsistent. Cool. And, What's like, your excuse? Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> we haven't been wildly. Inconsistent. Oh, you haven't. <laughs> We've been pretty consistently shit away and pretty good at home. All right. So. You guys have been dropping points at home like crazy while we have not. We've kept up our consistent good home form throughout last season and into this season. You and I have a different definition of good form, but okay. Oh, okay. So third best of no, – okay, talking we, about this we season. had as many points last year about this as season, Liverpool Javier. did at home. Talk about this season. Under Unai Emery. You were just talking about under Unai Emery yeah, yeah. in one I'm talking year. About Unai Emery it's continued about, this year. I'm talking about Unai Emery in that We have two wins and one draw at home this year. You guys have been working with him for going on like 70 games now, and you guys still can't press Aston Villa in your own stadium. You know, you're letting them just like leak out tons of attackers. And even when they had 11 men, they could easily bypass your press. It's not tough. Watford right. could do it. Look, and they conceded eight to City. Don't let me get too excited these next couple of months, okay? I know we're yeah. going to win uh, like every game. Javier, that's all I do. <laughs> it's just try to temper your keep expectations. Me, keep me level-headed because I know that the shitstorm is coming later. Later. Later, guys. All right. One last quick topic. Player leaving that hurt the most. Alex, it's Eden, right? No. It's not Eden. Who is it? Frank Lampard going to City? No. Eden we knew about for years before it happened. We knew it was going to happen. Anyone that says otherwise, you know. Kevin. 
Oh, no, I, did, I hadn't even thought of that one. I went way too. Wow. I, went, I went way Not too sentimental. Kevin? I went really sentimental on this one. Uh, it's Damien Duff in 2006. Ah, he was our Alex only is, Irish uh, player. I had his, his original boy. I had his number 11 kit when we signed him. I was like, great. He's one of the best Irish players. He played in that 2002 World Cup, the last one that Ireland uh, went to. And the, there wasn't really another Irish player like him, as tricky and pacey and, and, and good technically off the wing. Um, yeah, he was brilliant. And we only had him from, I think, like 2003 to 2006 for like three years. And he left like suddenly on like the deadline day, I think, and went to Newcastle for like five million or something. And I was just, I knew we would never sign another Irish player again. I just knew it wouldn't happen. And it's still, and it obviously hasn't because the Irish players haven't been good enough. But Andrew, I can dream. yours is Luis Suarez. Yeah, it's Suarez. Yeah. Because dude, I, it, that would there, be mine too. <laughs> it has to be Suarez because when we, when we lost him, he was everything. Like he was, that whole team worked because he played, he balled out. Like, you lost he still had a couple of, like good pieces but he was the central cog that made everything else tick and it's like taking that big gear out of like the machine and nothing else is connected to it and that's why we had that disastrous champions league year the next year it, that sucked i mean it had to happen but between all the bullshit dealing with him but also too he was the guy who was just putting in these ridiculous goals week after week that made me go from, like, casual soccer fan to, I have to watch this live every week. Like, I can't, I don't want to just watch this on the highlights. Like, I have to watch this every single week. And he was that guy for me. And to watch him leave to Barca sucked. Um, And Coutinho sucked because of the, like, like Suarez we knew it was going to happen. Coutinho, there was a chance, and like Klopp has said it, and he said it repeatedly, and the quote's been brought up a million times. You know, if you go to Barcelona, you're not going to be the same person here. You stay here and you win here, you will have statues in the street. Like, Klopp gave him every opportunity to stay and be a club legend, and he still left to go ride the pine at Barcelona. Good luck. Good luck, bud. Like, he's the ex-girlfriend that you didn't need, where Suarez was the one that treated you right, the for the first love, the the one where it's like you still talk to them at Thanksgiving and you wish them well. Where Coutinho's the like, see Wait, ya. Uh, Bye. I have an honorable mention. Uh, Raheem Sterling is the coked out hooker who got her shit together and became a model citizen. <laughs> Damn it, that's perfect. <laughs> I don't know if those exist. <laughs> well, actually, Raheem Sterling, Raheem Sterling was the rebound, the rebound stripper after after the right after Luis Suarez. You know what it was? Like that's what it was. Who was way too young for you? Way too young. <laughs> Javier, uh, I mean, it's pretty easy for me. Cesc Fabregas, uh, he was my yeah. favorite player. Like, wait, why is it easy? Growing up, why not okay. Van Persie? Well, I was gonna get there. Oh, okay, but um. The way Fabregas left, it, like it was like, it, I'm going with you, Alex, too. Like the feels, he was our captain. Like I loved him. I had his jersey. I had like multiple jerseys of him. Um, I thought he was gonna be like our captain and stay at the club for the rest of his career. So yeah, it was it was really shitty when he left. Even the even though he left to go to like his dream team and you know his back home and with players like Iniesta and uh, Messi, who he'd played on like youth team with. It still felt really, uh, really shitty to 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 go through that and to have him leave. Um, and then 
and then for him to go to Chelsea like after Barca, which is win two bit titles, a little bit of a shittier like <laughs> end to that story. And then while Van Persie, I did love him as well. Um, he was, he's like the Raheem Sterling, where like you know, you know, I, I miss him, but you know, the guy left a little bit in a shitty way, and he was always injured and not as consistent for us. And then like he had one amazing season for us and left afterwards. So it was like, all right, you have like, one amazing season you. for we, you. Come on. Yeah. We kept him. No, he, we played him in like six or seven seasons, but the dude always got hurt and like, he didn't deserve to keep getting contracts and like keep getting chances at Arsenal, but he did because Wenger kept playing him and eventually and saw the potential that was there. Wait, didn't Van Persie say As soon as the that... potential was realized, Van Persie goes, ah, let me go to this garbage United side when they're going to use me as some fucking used toilet paper piece of shit to win us the title and then dump you, <laughs> this, which is what they did to him. Javier and his career calls was over them a piece of that. shit United side in the same sentence as that they're going to use him to win the title. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that United side was absolute trash. They finished like ninth or some shit under Moyes. Right. He carried them. He carried them. Yeah. He carried the shit out of them. And then once Ferguson left, uh, after they won the title, Ferguson's like, bye, I'm retiring. I used you. Bye. He promised him and told Van Persie that like, ah, like, don't worry. I'll be here for many more years. Come from Arsenal. Absolutely. Like, I will coach you for many years. And Van Persie was like, said that the main reason he came, went to United was like, get coached by Ferguson. And it was like, that first year was amazing. You know, he won Golden Boot, won the league. And then, yeah, it all uh, David Moyes. downhill from there. <laughs> Life hey, comes at you fast, he, as Andrew likes honestly, to say. Honestly, David Moyes probably did better than uh, some of the current crop of uh, United managers that they've had recently. So, All right, well, that about wraps it up from us. This is the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro. Follow us on Twitter at Andrew Passaro, at ASMoss92, at JavierRev9, and at Ghost Gold Pod. Uh, if you want to throw out some of yours to some of these that we just threw out, Hit us on Twitter. I'll retweet them. We'll give you some love. Uh, like, review, subscribe on iTunes. And until next time, bye. Two hundred.